When the days for Jesus being taken up were fulfilled, he resolutely determined to journey to Jerusalem. After three years of preaching the kingdom of God, after three years of calling people to repent of their sins, after working countless miracles, after teaching people how to pray, Jesus began the most important part of his ministry. He went to the cross. Without the cross, no one could or would be saved. Without the cross, all of Jesus' teachings, his miracles, the many conversions that he effected in souls, they would all be in vain. We know that sin demanded payment. And Jesus came to pay what you and I could not pay by offering his own divine blood as the currency. Jesus loved all of his people enough to die for them. And so scripture reports that Jesus resolutely determined to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross. Now, I think a better translation says that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. In other words, he didn't go to the cross for us begrudgingly. Rather, he went with a determination fueled by love for us. But despite his tremendous love, Sometimes people think that Jesus was just a glutton for pain and punishment. And sometimes people accuse us Catholics of being gluttons for pain and punishment as well. But he wasn't. He isn't. The cross was not Jesus' end. Before Luke ever mentioned that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, to the cross, he points out that the time had drawn near for Jesus to be received up. And what is meant by the word up, except for heaven? Heaven, or the promised land, that's the lens through which Jesus said and did everything, including going to the cross for us. And believe it or not, that is made clear in today's gospel passage, because Luke uses explicit words that hearken us back to the exodus, the first exodus. And what was the goal of the first exodus? To bring people where? To the promised land. So we recall that during that first exodus in the Old Testament, Moses led the Israelites, the chosen people of God, from the slavery of Egypt to the promised land by way of this desert path, this desert way. Everything that was done in that exodus was to bring people into the safety and the goodness of the promised land. But that exodus event was also a foreshadowing of a new exodus. Jesus leading all who are willing to believe in him and follow him from the slavery of sin through the desert of life to the promised land of heaven. So you might ask, well, how is that seen in today's gospel? Because I don't see it. Well, again, Luke said that Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. But an even better way to translate that is that Jesus set his face to go the way of Jerusalem. And that word way is hugely important. The Greek word for way is hodos, H-O-D-O-S. And it literally means a path or a way. But it's also a word that explicitly calls to mind the exodus the ex-hodus, the exodus from Egypt on the way to the promised land. 
So last week for Corpus Christi, you may remember that I showed you how Luke positioned Jesus as the new Moses, leading the new chosen people to the new promised land of heaven and sustaining them along the way by his own flesh and blood, the new manna. Well, today, Luke continues this Exodus motif. He shows us the way, the path to heaven, and it goes through Jerusalem, through the cross. There's no heaven, there's no promised land, if there's no Jerusalem and cross. But here's the greatest lesson that Jesus teaches us, that heaven is so good that even the cross could not deter him from proceeding with absolute determination fueled by love for us. So Jesus did everything, including going to the cross, with heaven in mind. Heaven was the lens. And he wants heaven to be the lens for us as well. And that's, by the way, why he didn't want James and John to smite the Samaritans by calling down fire from heaven to immediately consume them. He did not want those Samaritans to die. What he wanted was their souls. He wanted them to choose him, the way. He wanted to bring them to heaven. And so what did he do? The best thing he could have done, he gave them time. As we keep reading, we realize that there's another man that Jesus encounters along the way, and he says to this man, follow me. In other words, get on the path, get on the way. To heaven with me. I'll bring you there. I want to take you to the promised land. But like so many in the world, then and now, that man had better things to do, things that he deemed more urgent than to follow Jesus. Well, let me just bury my dead first, he says to the God of the universe. Let me just do that, then maybe I'll follow you. But Jesus responded, well, let the dead bury the dead. You're alive. I want to give you eternal life, so follow me. And Jesus made it very clear that nothing, nothing or no one can be more important, more urgent than following him to heaven, including our jobs, including our family and our friends. Neither the dead nor the family, as good as they are, can give us heaven. Only Jesus can. And so we are to set, all of us are set to set our faces to the heavenly Jerusalem. And above all else, follow Jesus, who, by the way, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what's really interesting, this is why I love scripture. When he says the way, do you know what word that is? Hodus. There's no longer a desert path, a physical desert path on the way to the promised land. It's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the path to heaven. And so heaven has to be the lens through which we see and we do everything. And that, my friends, is the lens that I want everybody to see my departure through. I'm not leaving because I don't love being here where I don't love the Archdiocese of Baltimore or Archbishop. I'm not leaving because I don't love you. You know that I do. I've never loved anybody like I love you. 
But Jesus has called me. He's called me to follow him in a very particular way and to devote, to devote the rest of my days to hiddenness and to silence and to prayer and to penance, willingly, to pray for the world, which needs a little bit of prayer. And so he's asked me, set, I want you to set your face to Jerusalem. And I'm aware that that's going to be some difficulty for myself and maybe even for some of you. But I think that if heaven is the lens that which, through which we see everything, then even these difficulties will be worth it because the cross is always worth it. And God will use the currency of all of our crosses to continue to pay down the debt of sin in the world and to help souls, including our family members who are away, to come back and to ultimately be with us, God willing, in the promised land. So following Jesus always leads to glory, even if there's some difficulty and pain along the way. But heaven is so good, it's worth the trouble. And that's the lens which I have tried to do everything at the Basilica for the last five plus years. That's why there's always been this conviction and this urgency in me, because I simply want one thing, which is everyone to follow Jesus, who is the way to heaven. And I don't have to tell any of you that the voice of the world is so strong today, and it's leading many people down the wrong paths, and there are multiple wrong paths. Right? Just look at the demonic reaction of some people firebombing pregnancy centers and Catholic churches in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision being overturned, thanks be to God, on the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. The way, the path of destruction is wide. And the voices who are on those paths, they often are loud and persistent. And the path to heaven is so narrow. So doesn't it make sense that those who are tasked to help people find that narrow path ought to shout even louder than the voices of the world so that you can hear the good news above all of the other noises and voices. And so that's why I have tried to preach with great clarity and force. It's why I have spoken to you about the sacraments relentlessly and adoration tirelessly. And it's why I also have called out the sins of the world clearly. Some people, oftentimes, if they don't know me, they will accuse me of hating the world. Could not be further from the truth. I love the world, but also I love those who are in the world enough that I don't want any of you to follow the wrong voices of the world, but only to follow the voice of the Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. As a pastor, I will only be judged by one thing. Did I lead, to the best of my ability, my people to heaven? Preaching is one way to help people stay on that narrow path, to hear the voice of Jesus. But I think that there's a better way for any shepherd, which is to try to lead by example. And that's what I want to try to do for the rest of my days. All I want, very transparently, is to follow Jesus above all other things and people. I want to respond to his call unreservedly and to walk the narrow path 
And that's all I want for every single one of you as well. There are always going to be a lot of paths for us to choose in this journey of life. But I would ask that you always stop before you get on any path and ask yourself, which is the path that's going to lead me to heaven? It's always the smallest one, the narrowest. It's always the one that goes through Jerusalem, through the cross. And once you recognize that path, then guess what? Don't be worried. Don't be worried about what people will say or think when you start walking that path. Don't be worried about whether it's a politically correct decision or not. Lord, help us. And don't even be upset if family and friends don't understand. Heaven is so good, the cross is worth it. Just walk. When there are lots of voices speaking, stop and ask yourself, which is the voice of Jesus? Use your catechism of the Catholic Church. Use the scriptures and follow the teachings of the bride, the Catholic Church, which is the voice of God made audible in our world today. His voice will always lead you to glory. Yes, the cross will be there, but it will always lead you to glory. Then you set your face to heaven and you walk with determination fueled by great love for souls. So to end, I simply want to ask all of you for forgiveness for my faults, my weaknesses, my failures, and my sins. I am a sinner. But my biggest desire in life is to be loved by God and to love him with all of my heart, my mind, my strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. And I know that I have a long way to go on the hodas, on the way, on the path. But I also want you to know that every single one of you has helped me tremendously, that you have shown me love and kindness. And in you, I see patience and I see virtue. I see encouragement and goodness and generosity, and most of all, faith and hope and love. In other words, you have all shown me the face of Jesus Christ, and I am better because of all of you. So I want to thank you sincerely for that. And please know that I will absolutely never forget any of you, and that I will pray for you sincerely for the rest of my days. But I'd like to make a deal with every single one of you before I go that no matter our particular vocation, whether it's the priesthood or religious life or to married life or those who are single, let's all try with everything we have to follow Jesus in the craziness of this world. Let's all try to put him first. Let's listen to his voice above all the other voices and let's try to set our face to heaven and let's let heaven be the lens through which we see everything. And then let's walk that narrow path together. And if we do this, in the future, there's going to be one heck of a family reunion to look forward to. And I can't wait to see what all of us look like in our glory. Holy Spirit, guide us. Blessed Mother, lead us. St. Joseph, protect us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.